podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany. Uh, welcome uh, Christopher this time back here at StartupRate.io. How you doing? Very good. Uh, thank you for having me. It's completely my pleasure. Uh, when we've been still an audio-only podcast here in Frankfurt, um, we've been talking and I just looked it up. It was published in March 2017, almost four years ago. It feels like a lot has happened since, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Can't imagine. Like 2017, uh, Clark was a different company. We, we'll talk a little bit about your journey here. Um, let us first uh, get our enabler mentioned here. This interview is brought to you by investinhessen.com, which provides you detailed information on the state of Hessen as a business location and is specifically aimed at investors. As I was uh, going through our past interview, of course, if you go down here in the show notes, there is a blog post and on the blog post, there's also this interview as an audio only podcast, as well as our past interview as an audio only podcast. And at the time we were uh, talking because you've been mentioned as one of the very few German startups in the Bloomberg list of um startups you most likely never heard of, but actually should have an eye on. Um <laughs> I, I I remember a few a few inter interactions from that, but let us get back to this uh, later. Um, I was when I was listening to this, I was wondering. Um, we we never talked how you guys, you and your co-founders, actually met. Yes, uh, that was in in two thousand and fifteen. And let me actually maybe start by saying that the the team is still complete, so it's uh, still the same people that are um, behind uh, Clark basically since day one. Um, and it was in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, and you know, I think it started a bit with uh, with a pain point that I had myself in insurance because you know I I was between jobs, I had a lot of time, and I wanted to get my insurance stuff done. Like it was on my to do for a long, long time. So I thought, okay, now's a good moment to do that. Um, and I couldn't find a tool and or no program or nothing where I could get this done. I just didn't find the help that I wanted to have. And uh, I thought, okay, I have to do something about this myself. Um, and then we actually met through, you know, the network, friends of friends, uh, and it all came together, basically. I think in summer 2015, um, the team was uh, fully on board. And um, it's been a fantastic ride since because uh, like what we had as an initial hypothesis and what we wanted to achieve uh, still holds true today. Um, and it's a, you know it's not a it's not a quick shot like you can't turn the insurance industry upside down in, in a super short amount of time. Uh, it's a um, and um, yeah we've been we found each other 2015 um, like uh, shared the the pain point or figured out that we share the pain point and. Uh, everyone in the team was able to contribute something different. All right, Marco has a background in insurance. Um, Stefan uh, has a background in technology. Chris in marketing. Me in startup and digital businesses. So it all came together there. Ha! Huh, and Marco, he's also a podcaster here in Frankfurt as well, which is pretty interesting. I have to talk to him. Um, so the, the the founding team is actually uh, still there, and. Uh, 
how how did you guys open uh talk oh yeah insurance is so boring yeah insurance is so boring let's do something about it <laughs> no 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 that, that, that was like you know actually um uh, like i i also it took time um for me to fall in love with the insurance market right like it's not that you um it, it's nothing that you you start thinking about and then you immediately say oh wow this is something i have to do but like the more i got engaged with what's going on in insurance again in 2015 um the more clear it became to me that this is going to be a fun and a long-term thing that i would love to do because the pain point for consumers is immense um the business opportunity is extremely large um, it's relevant for everyone i mean Uh, like everyone has an insurance product. Everything that you see around you right now probably is somehow insured, like whether it's the house uh, where you sit in or whether the, uh, like what's inside the house, the goods in the house, uh, your car when you drive to work, everything has a relation to insurance, right? Uh, of course, you have health insurance as well and maybe even retirement savings. Um, but all of this uh, belongs in this field. So it's a very, very large playing field. And actually, it hasn't been penetrated by technology that much still today. Um, so you have a massive market, um, you have unhappy customers, um, and a low degree of digitization. So for a founder, that's a fantastic opportunity. And for that, alone for that reason, you have to like it. Hmm. Yeah, I see, 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 see. Um, usually the, the founding stories at, at least recently involve some wine um, but uh, that apparently wasn't the case with you guys um, can you um, because you are right now uh, really popular in Germany because I see you run uh, TV ads on national TV and all stuff like that and I'm curious um, can you explain to somebody who maybe has never had any interactions with Germany, um, who doesn't even understand what Vollkasko mentalität is. Can you explain him a little bit the, the, the German love of insurance? And of course, I'll explain later what Vollkasko means. <laughs> of course, of course. So um, like, like take an, uh, an average German. Average German has six insurance policies and those six insurance policies are typically with like four different insurance carriers um, so what everyone has is a, a paper folder at home where you have all the documents stored that you get from these insurance companies and typically this has piled up over the years because you bought these insurance products years ago you have the paper folder in your in your sideboard um, but you don't really know what's going on so you don't know uh, like what you actually get for your payments every year and whether this is still adequate and your life situation has changed. You may be married, you have maybe kids now, you moved houses, you moved jobs, whatever. Um, and you don't know if what you have in this paper folder is still matching your life situation. And um, there is a gap in the market because what people typically do is they like they sell you a product, but then afterwards um, there is uh, silence. And what we do is uh, different. First, we digitize this folder. So instead of having this paper folder in your sideboard, you have all of the data in an application, right? That's, that's the idea. So you always have all your insurance data, contract numbers, durations, what's covered, what not, and so on and so on. And then what we do is we, of course, help you stay up to date. So it's like an ongoing management of these. And we'll tell you every year, 
look, uh, we just checked your car insurance uh, or we just checked your household insurance. And you know what? You're still doing great. Um, you don't need to change it. You don't need to think about switching it this year. Just pay the premium and you're good for another year. Um, and we'll do that every year. And we'll, of course, uh, you know, stay ahead of uh, what's changing in your life. And then also tell you if something is changing, what it means for your insurance and if you need to adjust your insurance. So it's meant like one place where you as consumer can do everything that has to do with your insurance. And if you don't understand anything or if you have a question, like it, there are sometimes these cases, right? You sit in your garden and you see this big, massive tree that could fall on your neighbor's house. What actually happens if that, uh, like a tree falls on your neighbor's house? Who's paying that? Um, or your kids play ball in the garden and the ball is running, is falling on the street. The car has to, you know, um, um, like, like, like go exactly divert and hits another car. Whose insurance is paying that? Is it your insurance because it's your kids with the ball? Is it the car insurance of that of the driver? Like who's who's in charge of that? So if you have these questions, there's an answer to all of that too. So we can give you peace of mind because you if you if you're not sure and you have this uh, case and you just want to know what's going on and what would be if, um, then you can also ask us these type of things and we have experts that can look in your contract and look this up. Hmm. And for Casco Insurance, as you said, there, there, uh, there is uh, Germans love the car insurance, and there's like three levels of them, and the highest level, like the almost very free level, is. Vollkasko, so meaning Vollkasko uh, mentalität means peace of mind. Everything is covered. Everything's taken care of. Um, now that we understand that you guys are basically getting the digital folder on your cell phone uh, for all your insurance policies, um, let us get a little bit into the money, into venture capital funding. Um, by the way, I'm wondering when you started in 2015. I know th that uh, fintech at this time was was a thing with starting. Uh, I did my first fintech review 2014. Um, but was intratech already a thing? And how did you approach investors for let's say seed series A or stuff like this? Did you say we have fintech in insurance and this will be awesome and it's more sexy than it sounds? <laughs> no, it's actually it's a very good point you're you're raising there because um it it was a problem like i think uh 2015 i don't know if the term insurtech existed at the time or if it was coined shortly after um but it was not so clear and the problem was that um the the venture capital industry had no experience with insurtech so um like uh, they had hardly any experts that knew the market so Uh, like we needed to explain what a broker, because from a regulatory standpoint, we are an insurance broker. We really had to explain first what this actually is, right? And uh, it was actually hard for them to get comfortable on because they had, you know, no experts on the market, no past investments in this field that uh, were a success. So it was for them a lot of pioneering work. And many at the time um, didn't dare to make an investment in this field because they just couldn't assess what business model may be successful and which one not. And uh, that means for us, 2015, um, there was no funding at all. So it was like really marginal. And uh, 2016, we then did uh, our first real financing round. 2015, of course, we also had supporters. So we had some fantastic business angels that uh, were more experts in the field. So they could basically assess if there is an opportunity or not. But uh, it all started off then only in 2016. 
And actually, if you look at uh, customer numbers and revenue numbers of, of Clark, um, especially customers, I think end of 2015, I knew every single customer's name, right? Because it was family and friends and uh, such. So I don't know if we had an actual customer by the end of 2015. And then only 16, it started a bit with uh, um, money to invest in growth. Uh, when did you go for your Series E, uh, Series A round, and uh, how how did you approach it? How would you describe Clark at this point? W was it that you still knew all the customers? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, so, and that's why maybe it also took a bit longer. So I think the first, the Series A, that took us a year or so. That was a very very long process. Um, but so we started summer 2015 when the first website went live um, and we then closed it summer a year later. Um, and in the meantime, we talked to probably 300 VCs or so. So it was a, a very, very tough process. Um, but again, it was this education piece. It was, of course, that there was a lot of uncertainties also around the company and where the business is going. Um, so it's understandable that this took longer. Plus, it was extremely competitive. So when we started 2015, I think there were like, 15 companies that did exactly the same so on top of all the uncertainty around oh is there actually an opportunity or not and what is this new thing in SureTech, there were like many companies starting in the field and it was really hard to to separate them hmm. let, let me just digest this a little bit venture capital in germany called risiko capital so risk capital weren't uh were ven uh, risk averse and didn't want to venture out okay i get that um the, the <laughs> i actually like that you, that you say that that it's venture capital and like in germany it's risk capital because they see the risk first of losing the money and not the opportunity of uh like increasing it significantly <laughs> um yeah could could say that it's funny Vollkasko mentalität uh -huh. um, is, is your current um, funding round that we're talking about, by the way, congratulations to 69 million euros from Tencent from China. Um, is this your Series B round? Um, series C. Series C. And um, can we talk a little bit first about your Series B round? What did you guys do there? Uh, but I... I really assume at this time you, you just didn't know your, uh, all your clients by name, right? No, 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 no. That the the company clearly has uh, changed a lot since uh, since I think the Series A was the starting point. So, um, like, in, like that was summer 2016, and um, then we had uh, like our talk in uh, 2017, and that was already when Bloomberg. Was, uh, was aware of us, right? So something must have happened already between summer 2016 and March uh, 2017. Um, and then 2018, we did uh, the Series B, which basically now lasted until until 2020. Um, and uh, the amounts, uh, like, I mean, they, they basically doubled every round, uh, more or less. Right? Uh, so um, with the funds of the Series B, beside Germany, we then also started launching the Austrian market. Um, as our first international market, and now with the funds of Series C, we will will actually be be staying in in the vicinity of Germany and Austria and concentrate our growth in those two markets. Uh, and able to, you know, scale the marketing channels, try new marketing channels, uh, improve the product, improve the services around the product. Uh, all of this is on our list. That that's already a question 
I would have because uh, 69 million is quite a lot of money and I assume you already have all the uh, all the uh, football tables and all the playstations you would need in your company right we we have everything that is needed uh, but no one is in the office using it right <laughs> oh yeah we we're still recording this in times of corona um i, I would be interested uh how did you now approach series c how did the contact happen with Tencent. How how did you get the connection? Because in the past we talked to Robert Advisor, who has an investor from Russia, and uh, the Russian investor just reached out by email. Uh, did did the same thing happen to you? Um, no, no, no. It was uh, and actually, um, uh, like speaking also a bit about Corona here, we wanted to do the fundraise a little bit earlier. So it was our plan to. Uh, finished the fundraise in in August September 2020. That was the original plan. Um, but for that, uh, we would have to you know prepare the materials, go out and pitch uh, in March and April 2020. And that was in the middle of the first lockdown. The sh stock market that uh, has like share price decreased by 40 percent. Um, the world was about to go down. So it was like hard in those times to to go out with a pitch deck and say, hey, we have this great InsurTech. Don't you want to invest in my InsurTech? Um, so we held it back for another half year and didn't go out in March 2020, but only in August or September 2020 to basically now finish the fundraise 2021. So that had an impact on the on the timing. And um, fortunately, um, that's also why it maybe went so quick. We have had um, uh, like a long list of um, venture capital companies, um, interested firms, uh, including Tencent, of course, also on the list, and that we have had contacts with already um, that we have created over the last uh, like funding rounds and over the last years. Um, so we had those contacts already. Um, and then, yeah, again, in August last year, we basically started reaching out with a new set of information about the company. Um, yeah, and we're super happy and excited with how the process went. Uh, and also with the final result, it's a, it's a fantastic partner. Many insights that we um, can get that we probably wouldn't have never gotten otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see in the future you trying your luck in China. But talking about China, I've been living there and um, I experienced like really firsthand all the cultural differences. Uh, did you experience some of them and did you learn never ever to offer a Chinese a price of 250? No, I don't know. Do you need to tell me about that? <laughs> well, the story goes, there was an emperor who sent out four mandarins for like high officials and he gave everyone 250 gold coins. Uh, sorry for all the Chinese listeners if I screw this up. Remember, I'm just I'm just a foreigner. And uh, basically one of the, uh, uh, for the eternal life, they sh the mandarins should, know, uh, should search for the eternal life. Of course, they didn't find anything. So they came back and handed the emperor back the money. But one was, uh, uh, was thinking the emperor was stupid and wouldn't realize to uh, that he did not give back the 250 gold coins. And so if you offer Chinese 250, you actually tell him you're stupid. <laughs> okay, no, n not at all. Like, uh, on, on the contrary, was super impressed by the team. Um, and I think it was, you know, uh, like you, when you have multiple opportunities, 
where to get basically the liquidity from uh, or the dollars from then you you choose by the by the people that you have in front of you right and if they can bring something to the table um and uh, we found this absolutely remarkable and impressive and i think it was a decision more for the team um uh, than for the for the money yeah would you give a mental would you like to give a mental high five to the people who impressed you most at tencent <laughs> of course of course <laughs> yeah absolutely no no we uh, like again it's been it's been uh, like and i also don't want to give the impression that this was a surprise um because we have again we've met the, the people beforehand and um we've uh, like not done business with them beforehand but uh, like we've had many occasions where we met before and where they also got to know the company asked the right questions about the company followed the company um progress and um yeah we, we just felt they're, they're spot on in their views of you know where this business can go and uh, very consistent with what we think about the market Hmm. I see. See, um, you you just said uh, approximately five years ago you set up the company. Now you're in your third investment round. You raised, I think, somewhere in the area of 150 million euros. A little bit less, but uh, like a, it's a 100, 120, like along those lines. Uh huh. And um, I would be interested. You you said your uh, founding team is still there um how did you maintain a, a kind of company culture and how would you describe it and do you have any advice for an entrepreneur out there with a fast scaling company um on like y your best tip or tips um for uh keeping corporate culture except for uh buying a, a table tennis a table football and playstation Yeah, because these are typically the things that you that actually don't help that much, right? If something is uh, broken or not working, they don't they don't fix it. And I think what is super important is that you have people in the team that bring different things to the table, right? Um, and like like imagine you 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 want to found a rock band, um, and you have three people that can play the guitar, but you have no drummer and no singer. That would be like that can't go right. Yeah. So I think you have to uh, like think about what kind of music do I want to play in the long run? Uh, what is my album going to look like in uh, three years or five years? What kind of songs do I want to have on this album? Um, what should it sound like? And what kind of people are actually, what kind of roles are actually important to create that? Um, and for us, uh, there was technology, marketing, operations, and digital business. Um, so everyone had a clear role, right? And uh, like everyone also has a, like a clear clear function and uh, accountability in the company and an area that he or she is pushing forward um, and i think that was super important for us because don't have um one you know who's working a bit in the area of the other and like you know everyone is basically we're all working towards the same thing but also everyone has a clear expertise and a clear reason for uh, being in the company basically um, and that has helped us uh, a lot i would say so i think that's actually something that like young founders should do At the very beginning, like if your if your dream comes true and the company is exactly where you want it to be in four years, what does then the org chart look like? And make those top four people or three people or whatever the top three are, make those your founders. <sighs> Sorry for all the technical difficulties. We can influence here a lot, but unfortunately, not 
the internet speed and that is what what's bothering us you may have seen that christopher's picture uh, picture jumped in in resolution and the very simple reason is we get de delivered different resolutions and our uh, tool just chose it all the same at the same re resolution um Get, getting getting to uh, getting to Frankfurt again. You guys m actually relocated from Berlin to Frankfurt. Um, how long ago was it, and why? Yeah, that was a um, that was 2015. It was never planned differently. So, him, um, I mean, uh, Stefan was was elsewhere. He was in London, so for him it didn't matter. But um, Chris Marford at the time, so. Um, it was clear that the company will be um, founded in Frankfurt. The move that was actually, I wouldn't even say, you know, at the time in Frankfurt, there wasn't proper offices. You, It was just easier for the first two or three months to do things in Berlin. So we did once in Berlin. We have also had our first partner, Findeep, um, our first investor basically in Berlin, and he provided office spaces and like all the surrounding work basically so um that's why we had worked the first but actually it was always clear that the company will be heard so um it wasn't really a move because we never had a fixed office in berlin always meant to be in frankfurt and i think while the website had launched in june 2015 we actually then you know moved permanently in september 2015 so um, that was the reason and why we're in frankfurt it's because yeah, again uh, as i and myself we were living at the time here uh, but uh, it was a conscious choice like we were not if at a time we find enough tech talent in frankfurt so what we actually did is we um we posted tons for, for a stealth fintech in frankfurt and uh, we kind of looked at what kind of CVs are coming in. Is it the, the right people that we want on board? And is it the, um, of staff that we actually need for our company? And only when all of this was answered positively, we actually lived that way. Okay, where do you see the strength of the location? You said you, you were not sure about the tech talent. Uh, did this already, uh, you already got this settled? Like, uh, like I think that actually worked out uh, very nicely from the... From from the there is less people in in Frankfurt that want to work in the tech sector um, compared to in, um, but there's also less tech companies that you can can work for, right? So and is on a lower level, but actually for a company, it's probably easier to find the right uh, staff in Frankfurt, except for some specific roles, right? Because the various like a, like for example, our entire marketing team is now sitting in berlin right so we have now a proper office in berlin and our entire marketing team is also a consulting team in berlin um we have uh, with our cpo is sitting in berlin so there's actually first people that are also in this, um, compared to frankfurt and i mean at the moment it doesn't really matter anyways where the offices are Oh, right. Mm, I see. I see. Really sorry again for the technical difficulties. People just see you moving like a stop motion picture, and that's unfortunately due to the internet speed. Um, just a final question, a uh, closing question. What do you see the most potential for Clark, let's say, in the next two to five years? Yes. Uh, 
Um, multiple things. You, you know, we now have uh, 300,000 uh, customers in Germany. Good. Like, uh, you know, a Norris Bank has maybe 500,000. So you're on a, on a nice track there catching up with the, with the smaller direct banks. Um, but the market for insurance is so big. Like you have 60 million people in Germany that have insurance and for them Clark is relevant. Um, so we just have a, like a marginal uh, market share. So what we actually will do in the next three, four, five years is we'll massively concentrate growth in Germany and Austria and maybe add in a, in a three or five year horizon two, three other European markets. But you'll not see us going to like South America and uh, opening tons of uh, or North America and all over rather concentrate our efforts on, on fewer markets um, and to make sure that we build a, like a proper size in those countries. Well, everything I want to know. Thank you very much. Everybody would like to learn more. They can go down here in the show notes. There is a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as, of course, to the company website and our interview from 2017. Just to say thank you again. It was such a pleasure having you here, even though we had a few technical difficulties, but mostly limited to the uh, to the video. Really sorry about that. Thank you very much for being my guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's all, folks. Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring. 